are in full-blown Christmas season. If you're here for the first time, we just wrapped up a series on the book of Daniel. Uh, we spent about nine weeks walking from chapter to chapter, and that's been an incredible eye-opening book for uh, our life today, written thousands of years ago, but still relevant today. And today we're starting a Christmas series called The Christmas List, and uh, we're going to be unpacking what is on God's Christmas list. And what does that look like? And so today we're in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. I'd like to give that to you ahead of time. We're going to have it for you on the screens as well. Uh, but if you're uh, joining us for the first time and you want to stay connected, uh, you can grab a Connect card, which is in your seat. And that's a great way uh, just to jump in and join in and uh, stay connected with everything that is going on in our church. And God has just been doing some really incredible things and speaking to a lot of people's hearts. And what I always love is to see how God is working behind the scenes. Uh, over in Bridge Kids, they just got done doing a lesson on talking about that. God is, he's the God of the, who works behind the scenes and he's in the details. And it's always incredible to see how he's working in each individual life and how we come together as the local body, as the church. And we get to celebrate that fact. We get to come there and go, wow, God's working in there. God's working that way. And uh, we celebrate and praise God for that in these moments. And so today we are talking about joy and peace, joy and peace. And I know that that topic can be extremely broad and it can be talked about all the time. But my prayer and my hope today is that we look at what the Bible has for us and how can we have joy and peace even uh, in the midst when it's not smooth sailing, even in the midst where it feels like a storm. How can we still see the joy and peace that Christ has for us? So um, what I would like to do is just pray for us and then we're going to dive right in. Is that okay? I like to ask a lot of questions, you know, just make sure we're, we're in this thing together, right? So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. Thank you for each and every person that is in this room and listening online, God. Thank you for the opportunity to, to praise you. Uh, thank you for the hearts of those who serve you each and every week. God, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. I pray that you'll open our minds and open our hearts, God, to receive your word and your truth in this message today. I pray that it will continue to speak and give us wisdom, God. I pray that if anybody walked in here or listening, uh, just carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, that over these next few moments, we can place that at your feet, God. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So as we talk about the Christmas season, uh, it seems like uh, something begins to stir in the human race. Something begins to stir in all of us, right? Because we start to look for all of these Hallmark movies, right? And it's like they show up on the TV and something in us goes, oh, I need to watch that because there's really only so many ways that two people can fall in love, right? Like it, it ends up being the same story and we all know what's going to happen, but we all just kind of lean in like, oh, that's so sweet, right? Like this is amazing. And it just happens over and over again. And then we watch the same movies we've seen every year. You may watch the Grinch, right, where he is stingy and doesn't like Christmas and all of a sudden his heart is too small and by the end of the movie he's generous. He's ready to give it all back, right? And we know what's going to happen, but we watch it again, right? We just keep plugging into that. And I say all of that to say because uh, the Christmas season, there's something that happens inside of our heart that, that's pulling us in, that's drawing us in. And I would argue it's because we are living in what God created right? And, and all of creation just kind of being drawn in in this moment because when Jesus was born, history changed forever, right? The calendar changed. Everything changed and hinged right here in this moment. 
where Jesus came to earth. And, and there's something about what that looks like. But if we're honest with each other, uh, Christmas doesn't always bring the warm and fuzzies, right? We may get together and we have those moments of joy and excitement and, and uh, the lights are going up. And I, I, I tell you, I love some Christmas lights. I, I wish I had all the money in the world. I would decorate my neighborhood, right, as people came through. But uh, we have those moments, but it also comes with a little chaos, right? It comes with a little uh, a burden of, I have my Christmas list. I have all this stuff to knock out. I got to decorate the house. I got to get this done. I got to get the shopping for the kids done. I get the shopping for my neighbor. And, and the list just starts to pile on. Then I got to get to all these social events and get this, I got to make this happen. And I got to cook this thing. And, and all of a sudden, it just can start to feel heavy, right? And then we add on to the fact of the family dynamics, where, uh, you know, it, it's great getting together with family, but then we got to get together with family, right? And, and sometimes the conversations are, are, are can be heavy, or you have the one person who always wants to bring up politics or debate this or all of this, right? And all of a sudden you're like, wow, why did we get together again? Why did we drive 100 miles again? And you just kind of feel the pressure, right? And then also I, I think it can be heavy because not all of our family members are still here, right? And we feel the weight of that, especially during the holiday season. We get the reminders and the traditions and maybe the first, and that can be incredibly difficult and really heavy. And for us not to skip over that and to realize, okay, I'm in this moment, and what does this look like? And so if we think about all of that, which seems like a lot, which seems like a broad stroke, and I believe that God can help us put those things in the right place, and he can give us strength to kind of carry those pieces of everything that comes along in Christmas. And so as we look at our story today, uh, it, it's a monumental time and it's a pretty incredible piece. And so as we look in Luke chapter 2, God begins to give us a picture of why all of this is happening. Why Christmas is such a big deal and what's the announcement for God himself to come on this earth. And so in Luke chapter 2, we see it was written uh, by uh, Luke who was uh, taking all of these accounts in. He was a doctor, so he cares about the details and he wrote all of these intricate notes and inspired by the Holy Spirit, we get Luke here. And so as we look in Luke chapter 2, we're going to get to uh, kind of open the curtain and peek in the window of the conversation that he was having uh, with a couple of different people here. And so in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, everybody okay? Everybody ready? Very good. Verse 8, it says that, this, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Have you noticed any time in Scripture, all of a sudden angels come out of nowhere in the middle of dark? What happens next? People are terrified. They usually even hit the ground. And I can only imagine, right, a bright light, the glory of the Lord surrounded them. And they're just terrified in this amazing moment because shepherds, they're out in the fields. It's almost pitch black. All they have is the stars. And all of a sudden, this radiant glory appears. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. And the angels usually follow up with that. Hey, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snuggling in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest 
and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angel has returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. That's important. I think we need to remember that verse there in 15. And then 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they have heard and seen. It was the angel. It was just as the angel had told them. What a beautiful story, right? We see this picture of this angel appearing, and I can only imagine stepping into the story and an angel appearing to me and the faith that it takes to go, wow, this is true, and I'm going to go travel thousands of miles to see if this is true. I'm going uh, to believe this so much that I'm going to leave my job, leave my occupation, and go find this Savior, find this Messiah. But the shepherds do that. They act in faith, and they go. But the message of the angel is what? He says, hey, I've come and I have great news that's going to bring joy to all people, right? And that's a pretty bold statement that to say what, the, what I'm about to tell you is going to bring joy. This is exciting. This is a big deal, right? And so he says that it's gonna, joy is going to be the thing that we experience when we realize what is about to happen. Because what has happened here in the Old Testament, uh, God's people has been, have been following him. And then we see from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's about 400 years of silence. Of where uh, they don't know what is God doing. And I'm sure they have more questions than answers. Maybe you felt like that before, right? Where God, why are you silent? God, it, it feels like you're not there. And, and all of this. And now these shepherds in the middle of a field, right? An angel appears after hundreds of years of not hearing from God. And all of a sudden, directly an angel comes and he says, this is the moment. This is big. This is, this is joyful for everyone who is about to hear. And what you are about to hear is God himself is sending his son, Jesus. And hid everything that you have read in the Old Testament, everything that the Jewish people have been memorizing and reciting and praying for and hoping for, the time is now. Everything that has been predicted thousands of years ago, all of these hundreds of prophecies in Isaiah and, and Daniel and all of these prophecies that have continued to happen it now is the time this is the time in which it is happening and he proves over and over and over again and he says this message is that jesus the savior of the world is here and that should bring you new uh, great moments of joy this should bring moments of joy for everyone to come and they were glad and so as we think about this idea and we wrestling with christmas and what is joy and how does that relate to you and how does that relate to me? How do we experience joy as followers of Christ? Because we see in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would descend on certain people, right? In certain moments of time. And then the Holy Spirit would almost uh, lead them in a moment and not anoint them for that season of time, right? Because the time hadn't come where Jesus made a way for the Holy Spirit to dwell in the new temple, which is his believers, right? But Jesus now is starting to make a way for that. And you had to go into the temple and go to the high priest and and work through the high priest as he made sacrifices for our sins but now that the savior has come what he is opening up is for you and i to experience god every 
single day, that you and I become the temple, that the, the holy living God dwells in us, and that those who believe in Christ receive God in us, working through us. And we can't skip over this, right? And you may be sitting there thinking, well, that's kind of uh, the beginning stages of Christianity when we believe it, but I believe we have to remember that every single day. Every single day that Jesus made a way for that because the gospel is at the center and the foundation of our joy because he is our savior. And not just that Jesus died on the cross, right? Like that moment in time was where he atoned for all of our sins. But the gospel started in creation where he created all things and then he introduced humans. And when we enter the scene, we usually kind of mess things up, right? And so uh, humans entered the scene and we see the fall in Genesis chapter three. We see that sin has separated us from God. And then here, right here, God is giving the answer for the fall. God is giving the cure for sin. God is giving us a way out to experience him again. And he said, you know what? I'm going to send my son, Jesus. I'm going to send God in the flesh. And we see that he died on the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. But then, oh, this is good. It's not even Easter in my lineup for Easter message. But three days later, Jesus rose again, proving that he is God, proving that he has power over sin and death. And he says, those who believe in me, those who confess my name, those who repent and turn from your sins and follow Christ, you can be a new creation in Christ and the Holy Spirit will dwell in you. And I think that is the very foundation of our joy. And the first point I love for you to write down here if you're taking notes or you want to take a picture of it with technology today. But uh, the good news that he's sharing here is that God is with us the good news is that we can be saved and secure in the hands of God we are saved and secure in the hands of God and I we can't just skip over that when we talk about joy because I know at the end of the day I have peace with God not because of what I have done but because of who my faith is in because of my faith in Christ. And, and and I don't know if you've uh, been in the sports world or even in the music world, right? If somebody is off of their groove and they can't seem to find their groove again, usually what will a coach tell you to do in both of those scenarios? They'll say, hey, you need to get back to the basics. You need to kind of strip it all down and get back to the foundation, the building blocks of where you got where you are. And I think for us as Christians, we will say, you know what? We need to get back to the gospel of it being the center of everything that we do, that I cannot believe that God gave me the opportunity to be saved. I know that I remember myself as a teenager running from God, turning to parties, turning to relationships and turning to all of these things, just running over his name. But yet he looked at Daniel and said, you know what? I love you so much, Daniel, while you were still a sinner, while you were an enemy of God. And I'm giving my life for you. And I reflect on that and going, you would do that for me, God? For me, you saved me. You, you stood at the gates of hell and said, no, if you believe in me now, you can go to heaven and spend eternity with me forever. I am forever grateful and thankful that God has given me that opportunity. And it's only through him. And when I cherish the gospel, it changes how I live my life, right? It changes of, God, you gave me grace. You gave me mercy. You forgave me. Even when I was running from you, God, 
it restores something in me. It restores my view of God. It restores my view of humanity, right? Now I look into the eyes of going, hey, I remember what it was like to run from God too. And he can help you experience the abundant life. And he can help you walk in this moment and walk in this grace. And as we see this begin to happen, I'd like to show you two pieces of scripture because it can be hard to go, okay, how, even in my relationship with Christ, how do I get back to that joy? How do I get back to that peace? Because it, life can get heavy and it can get hard and it can get strenuous and it can begin to weigh us down. And you may be sitting here asking the question like, Daniel, I've been saved, but life is hard and I'm experiencing this. How do I experience the joy that God talks about? How do I experience the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? He goes down the list. And we see the answer here in Scripture in Psalm 16. He says, you make known to me the path of life. Here it is. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then in John 14, this is incredible right here. You guys ready for this? Get your seatbelt on, ready to go. John 14, Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit. He is teaching about God in us. And then this is what he says here. He says, peace I leave with you, right? And he says, peace, I live with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's like God knows us, right? He knows once we get out into the world, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trials. There's going to be heartaches. But he says, hey, I'm going to give you something that this world can't provide. I'm going to give you something. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And as you have the Holy Spirit, you have God in you. And in the Holy Spirit, he will produce love, joy, and peace in you. He says that your presence, God's presence, produces joy and peace in us. And so if you're taking notes, I'd love you to write this down. We find joy and peace in God's presence. And you and I to know that I can find joy in the presence of God. I can find peace in the presence of God. And you and I, we can't get together and muster up joy. And we can't muster up peace. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to just really, really try to be happy, God. I'm going to really, really work at it. I'm going to set up all of these things around my life. I just want to be happy, God. But God is going, I want you to be dependent on me. Because when you're in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit will produce the fruit in you. He's saying, all I want you to do is, is to lean into my presence, to focus in my presence. Set up your surrounding to remember that you, I am with you, that your, my presence is in you. And as you dwell in my presence, as you remain in me, right, as you follow my commands, as you live out my ways, I will begin to produce this joy and this peace and this grace in your life, this patience, this uh, long endurance, this faithfulness. I will begin to produce that in you and through you. And we start to experience God's fruit inside of our lives. And as we do that, sometimes it's hard. How do I get into God's presence? How do I walk in his presence daily? How do I run to his presence? How do I make sure that I stay in his presence? Because you and I, I believe, maybe, maybe it's just me, but sometimes when you leave the house uh, for the work day or you're running errands and getting all of this done, all of a sudden the list becomes almost overwhelming, right? And it's like, okay, here's the next thing. I got to get to work. I got to pick this up. I got to make this happen. I got to do this at the house. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh God, I haven't even thought about you today, right? Or, or I, I'm starting to feel the weight of life and God is calling us and drawing us 
back into his presence. And it's not just a, I'm going to open up his word and, and read it. That's a piece of it, right? That's a piece of the pie, a piece of the puzzle. And prayer is a piece of that, right? But also when we leave throughout the day and we have the battle inside of our mind, it's me going, okay, I know that's from the enemy, but here's what God's word says. And now God's word is dwelling in me every single day as I head off into work, being in community like this. I get to be in the presence of God, right? Because we're coming together. The Holy Spirit unites us and binds us us together and i want to show you this because there's a few different things that can hold us back from fully experiencing god's presence in our life and we see this in uh, psalms 51 have everybody heard of uh, king david back in the day so we know that jesus comes from the family line of david and david is the guy in the old testament where he kind of became famous he's king david he became famous because he slayed goliath this nine foot man 40 days came out taunting the Israelites and he goes down into the valley and David comes down into the valley and David takes Goliath out. He has incredible faith in God with just a sling himself and he takes down Goliath and he, begin, he begins this journey because God calls him to be king. But here's the thing. David is human and David made mistakes and there was this moment in his life where he began to quench God's work in his life. And this is what happens after he experienced this sin, after he was living in sin. This is David's prayer to get back of going, God, I need you in my life. I need your presence here in Psalms 51. This is what he says here. It's, I, I love Psalms because there's pieces of it where David, it's like we get to read his journal. Where we get to peek in and hear his thoughts of his lament and his struggle. And this is what he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, this is it, the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. David recognizes that he has sin in his life that is quenching the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, God created me a clean heart. Whatever I need to do, I'm repenting of that sin. I'm turning to you, God, but please don't take your presence from me. Because if you take your presence from me, there goes my joy. There goes my peace. If you take your presence from me, if I quench that, there goes my patience. There goes all of these pieces because it's in God's presence. That's where we find joy. That's where we find peace. And I can rest in that fact. And anytime you and I need to get back to joy, we need to remember what God has saved us from. We need to get back to the moment of going, you know what? I got to get back in God's presence. And I think about it this way. Because sometimes we think about joy and we think about peace and we can think about them as separate emotions or separate feelings in our relationship with Christ. And here's what I mean, because if we feel doubt or we feel fear or we experience suffering or we just talked about where we may experience grief, right? And in those moments of grief and suffering and pain, we can try, we, the enemy will try to detach and go, you can't experience joy and peace in that grief. You can't experience joy and peace in that suffering. And, I, and I, as we read in scripture, we see this, that even in Psalms 51, he begins to describe, you're going to have troubles in this world, but I'm going to give you peace through it. And then he says this in Philippians 4, 4, he says, always, Paul says this in the Bible, always be full of joy in the Lord. God knows all things. He knows we're going to have trials. We know we're, he knows we're going to have heartache, but he says, in all things, always be full of joy. And that's even in the heartache, even in the suffering, even in the grief. 
And he's saying, don't just write off the grief. Don't just put it aside. He said, that, that's not what I'm saying. He says, sometimes we need to mourn and sometimes we need to grieve and sometimes suffering is real. But he's saying, in the ember of it, know that I am still with you. Know that you can experience joy and suffering. I remember uh, in 2016, uh, Jason kind of alluded to this last week and he talked about my grandfather. Well, in 2016, my grandfather passed away and he was a, a huge role model for my life, really was a, a father to me and uh, taught me many things. And uh, I, I remember being called into ministry and we'd sit in the living room and he'd watch uh, uh, different videos and he always either watch cops or church videos. OK, like, I don't know. Don't judge him. But uh, uh, he would watch one of those two things and we would sit there and we would just talk about it. And he would start to talk about heaven and oh, what heaven's going to be like, and what is this? And, and he began to talk about all those things, but I remember uh, I had the complete honor, and, and truly it was an honor to preach his service, to preach his memorial service, because of what he meant to me. And in that moment, I was deeply grieving, and I felt the pain, and I felt the sorrow. But in the middle of all of that tapestry was woven into the joy of Christ. Because I knew he was a believer and I knew he was in heaven and he that was the best day he's ever experienced in his life was standing before his Savior. And so that pain and that grief was real and it was there, but yet the joy was still there too. The peace was still there too. I, I wanted him there with me, but yet I wanted him there too, right? Like I wanted him to experience that. He's lived a long life and he was faithful to God and tried his best, all of these things, right? But we had the joy that was woven into that. And for us to get back, and my hope today as we think about this is how do we get back to focus on the presence of God. And I remember, um, uh, just to kind of illustrate this, I remember when we first moved down here to the low country and uh, everybody enjoying the 70 degree weather in uh, December. Yeah, uh, low country Christmas, here we go. And I remember when we first moved down here and uh, we had a friend who is a, moved down here to be a sailing charter captain. And so we began talking with him, and I actually worked with him on the side because I'm a church planner and we have side jobs. But, um, and, and so I began to talk with him. He goes, hey, I want you and your family to come, and let me take you out. I got to get some hours on the water. Y'all come down and enjoy the sailing charter. So I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I grew up in the poverty belt of Atlanta, okay? So no sailboats, no river, like none of that. And he was like, hey, I want you to come join me. Um, I, here's the past. Here's the, uh, here's the directions. And so we pull into the neighborhood where his uh, boat is parked. Well, they go, oh, you're going to the yacht club. I was like, yacht club? This is all, okay, this is nice. I got the window rolled down. Like, I'm asking everybody for directions. You know where the yacht club is? That's where we're going. We're going to the yacht club. I just, I just need to know. But we, we make our way, finally get onto the boat, get on uh, to the yacht, I guess. Uh, and it's a six-person sailboat. And we get out, and um, I've never been sailing before in my life. And so if you've ever been on a sailboat, that thing starts to tip and, and turn and all of these things. I'm like, are we going to tip? Like, what's happening here? Well, we get to a moment where we're stopping. He's like, hey, Daniel, do you want to drive? And I got a person now, I'm like, uh, yes, like, please, let me drive. I want to experience this. And so we get there, and it's a big, fancy boat, and it's got all of these gears and GPS and all of this, and he's trying to teach me, like, here's what you want to do, and here's what you want to watch, and all of this stuff. And all of a sudden, a gust of wind comes, 
And it's like, whoo, picks the boat up. And I'm like, okay, you may want to come over here, help me out here and all of this. And he goes, look, look, all right. And he's kind of coaching me through it. And he's, he's nice and calm. I always like to watch the flight attendants and the pilots because they know, like, if they start freaking out, then I'm starting to worry. But he was still calm. So I was like, okay, we're good. And he goes, look, look, even if everything starts to go chaotic and then the wind is getting crazy and all of that, like, take your eyes off the GPS, take your, don't look to the side, find a fixed point on the shore find a tree tall tree a tower or something and keep heading towards that and you'll be okay he's like if, if everything else fails and i just remember the, the holy spirit i was reflecting on that i was like wow the wind is still going to come right like the storm and everything is chaotic and it's still there but god is going you know what i want you to find me i am your fixated point because i am the source of your joy i am the source of your peace and if you will keep your eyes and your hope and your trust in me then that that will come in us and through us and you and i it takes a moment of going you know what this is causing me strife and hurt and pain and i may not be able to fully let it go but i can bring it back into the fixation of jesus right i can bring it back into focus of going god is going to hold this together i don't have to god is going to work in it behind the scenes i don't have to feel like the weight is on my shoulders right i can let my expectations go right of how i thought it was supposed to be or how i thought it was supposed to happen and i can trust a loving father and go, God, this is all I can do. I, I do have the responsibility of a few things, but God, outside of that, I'm giving it to you. And I remember even wrestling with friends, and this is not in my notes, so this is bonus, bonus material here, but um, I remember wrestling with a few of my friends, and I really felt like I tried to do everything I could to help them, right? Like everything I could. I remember somebody gave me some advice, and it was so incredible. It's like, you know, there's... And I felt like if I stopped or I quit, I was quitting on them. And they looked at me and they said, you know what, Daniel, sometimes we don't have to quit on them, but we do have to give them up to God. We have to say, God, I've done everything that I have. I, I know to do. And if you ask me to do something, I will. But God, in this moment, I'm, I'm not going to carry that weight, but I'm going to give that weight to you, God. And I think there's a moment in our life where we're saying, God, I can't carry this anymore. I need you to carry it. And God is so rich in his mercy that he takes that from us because he is strong enough to carry it all, right? All of our anger, our grief, our hurt, our pain, our struggle, our doubts, all of that. He will take all of that. And you know what he gives us? Joy, peace, love, grace, mercy. And he is an endless supply. And anytime we feel like it's getting too overwhelming, then I got to get back to fixing my eyes on Christ, right? And God, do this work in me. Help me, God, guide me in this moment of truth. And I believe that that's what God wants us to experience this Christmas season. That maybe for the first time, we take what is holding us captive, even as a follower of Christ and going, God, today I'm giving this to you. I believe you're going to work in this. God, will you show me the pieces of joy? God, can you help me to have peace through this? 
because I believe God, just what we sang, he is faithful and he will, as we surrender that to him, he is faithful and he is true to give us that joy, to give us that peace and to help us to experience him. And we can come to him every single day for that. We can come to him multiple times a day, right? Because he's an endless supply. He will never run dry. He's like a fountain that is flowing in us, right? And there can be moments where maybe there's some sin in our life that will start to quench that fountain a little bit, or we, we start, we stop yielding to the Holy Spirit, and it can quench it a little bit, right? But just like Psalms 51, when we begin to repent, and we turn to God, and we turn to his presence, it's like God lifts off that fountain, and he says, I'm doing a mighty work in you. If you remember, if you're a Christian in the house, you remember the day you got saved? Ooh, you couldn't put you out with a fire hose, right? You're on fire, passionate. Like, can I, I can't believe it. I'm telling the world. I'm going every mission trip there is. I'm selling my house, take my iPhone, right? Like, because we were on fire because of what Christ had just done. And I believe that's what Psalms 51 is talking about, God. Creating me a clean heart. Because at that moment of salvation, I repented to Christ. And I gave him everything that I was. And he began to make me a new creation. He began to do a new hope in me. So I'm going to pray, and the worship team is going to come back up. They're going to sing a, a chorus of what we just sang. Because I want to pray for us as a church, and I want us to have a moment, and then we're going to take communion together. And, and what a beautiful day to take communion as we're remembering, right, the, the joy of the Lord. We're remembering what Christ has done for us, and we're going to take communion together as a church. But I just want to pray for us, for us to have a moment this holiday season. We have our Christmas list, right? We have everything that is going on in our life. Can we take a moment during this song and just declare to God, you are faithful. You know, I'm, I'm placing my eyes back on you. Maybe you want to take a moment and say, God, you know what? I've been clinging too tightly to this particular thing in my life. It, it could be an idea. It could be a relationship. It could be work. It could be finances. It could be whatever it is that you just feel so much pressure on. And Jesus is going, give that to me. Let me help you. Let me guide you through that moment. And we can take this moment and say, God, I'm giving this to you. Or maybe you're in a season of life where you want, God, I just feel the grief. I feel the hurt. I feel the suffering. And maybe someone or, or maybe we've had this idea of God that if I feel that, I can't also experience joy. I can't also experience peace. And I pray let's in those moments, let's fixate our eyes on Christ and allow him to illuminate the little pieces of joy and peace that we can have even in those difficult times as well. And so let's pray together as a church. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful for your word, so thankful for your truth. God, I pray that we can just take uh, the next few moments and just to declare your goodness, oh God. God, I pray that you will speak to our hearts. I know that, that some people may have walked into this room and, and life can feel incredibly difficult and we're trying to balance all of this, God, but I pray that you would weave through the midst of everything that is happening and I pray that you can help us to experience joy, God. Help us to experience your peace. God, I pray that you remind us that you are the source of our joy and peace and not our circumstances. God, I pray that if our eyes are fixated on what is going wrong, I pray that you would give us the strength to fixate on you, God, because only you are purely holy and righteous. 
And God, I pray that we would have a heart that says, God, I'm yielding to you. This holiday season, I'm remembering you. Give us strength, give us joy, and give us hope, oh God. We love you as we ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand and we're going to continue to worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.